around and disregard it. Ship you off the ground, show you what heart is. Standing strong, I'm proud of you, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Ship you off the ground, show you what heart is. Standing strong, I'm proud of you, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grip, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest podcast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now. It's time to sit and relax Get your mind blown away Ain't no skipping a track Have you paying more attention No listening gap Get everything I ever wanted No giving it back Yeah It's the hardest Talk around What's up Yeah It's the hardest What's up everybody Hardest part of the ring Is here And ready to rumble <laughs> Yes uh, It's a great movie great movie but yes royal rumble 2021 what a weird way to say that 2021 i guess that's right right 2021 you're ready to rumble oh shitty ass theme song does anybody does anybody like that song that they used for this event ready to rumble shut up asshole are you are you ready to rumble? Fucking on the nose theme song, assholes. Who picked that? Who picked that? When was the last time a fucking WWE event had a really good theme song? NXT has some pretty good songs, but that's, you know, they try to have a different kind of genre on purpose. But these fucking WWE pay per views, it's all this bubblegum bullshit. All this, like, non, like, just background noise garbage. It's like, all these theme songs are just utter hand jobs. But, anyways, that's beside the point. Um, what are we talking about here? Royal Rumble 2021. Happened last night, and boy, oh boy, what a show. I should say, out front that I commend WWE for putting on such a quality show without fans. And obviously they've been doing that for a while with the Thunderdome and whatnot. And the Thunderdome has been great so far, but they just took it to another level with the Royal Rumble because I had my hesitations as far as like, because you know, the Royal Rumble, it's, I mean, personally, it's my favorite event of the year, every year. Love the Royal Rumble. And... But a big part of that is the fans and the reactions that they have to it. I mean, imagine if Edge returned in 2020 without fans. Still would have been a cool moment, but not anywhere close to what it was. You know what I mean? Same goes for Drew McIntyre eliminating Brock Lesnar and then going on to win the Rumble. That moment would not have been nearly as monumental, nearly as memorable had there been no fans in the audience. So... But that being said, you know, there's nothing they can do about it, obviously. So they continue to make chicken salad out of chicken cum. And they did what they could, and they made it a really good show. And obviously, I mean, you can say it for any wrestling that's going on right now. Yes, it would be better with fans. But there can't be fans. So when we're judging it based on what they can do, I think they did a great job. And then the people that were in the matches all delivered. From top to bottom, this card was great. Not a lot of matches, but as per the Rumble, you know, that's nothing out of the out of the norm necessarily. But yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. Probably one of the better uh, pandemic era pay-per-views that they've put on, I would say. Probably the best. I think that's easy. I think Hell in a Cell was really good. Um, but yeah, that's probably like the only, the only other one in the conversation for uh, great... COVID era shows and AEW's had a couple good shows too, but nobody watches that anyways. So, anyways, so let's get just get that's purely to make 
the AEW fans that listen to this angry. That's all that's that's all that's for. And I like AEW too, but we're not talking about AEW. We're talking about the women's tag team titles, which is the match that opened the show. We have the champions, Charlotte Flair and Asuka versus Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I have been very disconnected from Monday Night Raw for a long time. I think I've, I've mentioned it before, but even recently it's been like literally I don't even... I'll follow it on Twitter, you know what I mean? I'll see some clips here and there, and I'll kind of follow along with what's happening. So I, I, I know what's happening, but I'm not actually watching the show. So that being said, maybe my, maybe my opinions aren't as educated. And if I'm wrong on anything I'm saying, please feel free to uh, badger me in my DMs, send me a picture of your penis, and tell me that I'm wrong. You know what I'm saying? Um, but the Raw Women's Division... Now, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but what a goddamn mess it is. (laughs) Holy shit. Asuka, who's the champ, she's been the champion since Becky Lynch left, right? So, am I wrong? I don't know. Sasha won it for a little bit, right? But she only won it for a few weeks. So, for all intents and purposes, Asuka's been the Raw Women's Champion for the better part of a year. And look, Asuka's great. I love Oscar, but um, in my opinion, she hasn't been booked well in her entire stint in WWE, and that includes NXT. Now, you hear me say that, and you're like, oh, hardest part of the ring was she was the undefeated NXT women's show. Yeah, I, I know. I was there. I saw it, too. She was squashing Peyton Royce and beating up Aaliyah and Nikki Cross and all these women that hadn't had no credibility at the time. And that's not the fault of Asuka, obviously, but the women's division was pretty lacking after the, the horsewomen left. So, yeah, Asuka was champion. And yeah, if you look at it in a kayfabe uh, sense, yeah, she won a lot. She was undefeated in an NXT, had a historic title run. But ultimately, like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but when I was watching it, I was like, okay, she's beating up a lot of tomato cans. Like, like, yeah, she should be winning. It didn't seem as impressive to me as maybe some other people perceive it, but that's just my opinion. And her run on the WWE roster has been, there's been some high spots, right? You know, she uh, when she won that triple threat TLC against Becky and Charlotte, was it? Um, she was champion for SmackDown for a while, and her her run with the Kabuki Warriors was awesome. That was probably my personal favorite Asuka that I've seen. Um, but I don't know, man. The, the happy-go-lucky, flamboyant, dancing Asuka does nothing for me. She should be a legitimate badass. She should be Kana that she was in Japan. She should be ripping people's heads off. She shouldn't be as sports entertainment in my opinion. There's nothing wrong with being flamboyant. Nothing wrong with having all the colors and all that shit, the mist. I I like it. But ultimately, she just comes off as soft to me. And uh, not very believable for whatever reason. No matter how many titles she holds, I... Again, this is not on her. She's done perfectly for what she's been given, but she just hasn't been given a lot. And I hope she... um, I hope that turns around, and I hope the Raw's women division turns around, because between that, and you have Charlotte and Lacey Evans, what the hell is going on there? I think I just beat off to a video that was a similar storyline. What are we doing? What are we doing Dawn Marie, Tori Wilson again? We already did this shit. People still remember it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and then who else? You got Shayna and Nia Jax are still a team, I guess. That's fine. I don't know. Ever since I watched uh, TNA or uh, Impact Hard to Kill, their recent pay-per-view they did. And that was the first time I got to watch Havoc, who was a uh, a female wrestler over there. And I'm watching Havoc, and I'm literally like, man, this is just a version of Nia Jax if Nia Jax had any semblance of athleticism. You know what I mean? And that just makes me watching Nia Jax even that much tougher because she's just, oh, God. I mean, you know, 
man, I already did a whole podcast on Nia Jax. I don't even want to get into it too much, but she just is regressing. She's regressing. She's not getting better. She's still stiff as hell. And, you know, she, that, that one slam onto Dana Brooke that happened recently, she was getting a lot of shit for that. Honestly, that was kind of more of a a systematic thing that happened between the two of them. I don't really put that on her being stiff. She was just being a, a dominant powerhouse. That wasn't her fault. But she's just, you know, I see her. It's like, is she a monster? Is she a supposed to be pretty? She doesn't, like, know who she is. Um... Her promos are cringe. Her, she can't move in the ring. Oh no, it's just all bad. And then Shayna Baszler is like, man, we built this bitch up last year at Elimination Chamber, and now, now she's just another number of a tag team. She's like the third string in a storyline with Lana. You know what I mean? But I'm spending too much time on this fucking kickoff tag match. <laughs> and then Charlotte, Charlotte, you know how we all feel about Charlotte. So the tag match was fine. It was a good kickoff match. Um, Kind of worried me that <laughs> them putting this on the kickoff meant that Charlotte was going to win the Rumble because, you know, she has a lot of time to recoup or whatever. Um, But obviously did not end up happening. But yeah, the tag match was solid. Oh, yes. And the finish comes when uh, Lacey Evans comes out to the ring. But first... Ric Flair, his music hits. He walks out, distracts Charlotte. She gets rolled up and almost loses there. But then later, Lacey Evans comes out. And as Charlotte has the figure eight locked in on Shayna Baszler, I believe, Lacey Evans gets some some item from Ric Flair, puts it in her fist, and then gives Charlotte the women's right. Now... Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe the physiological uh, aspects here are lost on me. But if you have something in your hand and you ball it up like a fist, the thing in your hand does not make your punch more effective. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Give her brass knucks for crying out loud. And isn't the women's right supposed to be a finisher in its own right? Why does she need some bullshit in her... Whatever. Dirtiest player in the game stuff. I know. I get it. But it's all dumb. It's all stupid. Just harkens back to this women's division and how shitty it is. But Lacey Evans gives Charlotte the women's right. Nia Jax gives her a uh, shitty leg drop and pins her. New Raw Women's... Or New Women's Tag Team Champions. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. I do like these two together. You know, I think they kind of gel as far as their personalities or like their uh, how they kind of they're the yin and yang to each other, if that makes any sense. And I, I kind of like them together, um, even though I think both maybe have more value as singles. But whatever it is, they're the, we got a uh, new tag team champions and hopefully Charlotte and Oscar stay away from each other because that team made no sense to begin with. And. Charlotte, Ric Flair, Lacey Evans, I have no idea what's going on with any of this. Uh, Hopefully it ends up being Charlotte versus Ric Flair at WrestleMania. If it doesn't end up being that, then I could care less. Anyways, next match. (laughs) So the first match on the main card is a WWE title match. Starting out hot and turgid on this one. So we have the champion, Drew McIntyre, versus William Goldberg. Man, oh man. A lot of opinions on this match. (laughs) So I posted this on all my social medias, I think. There are two types of people. One, the person that that was excited about this match and was on the edge of their seat with emotion watching this match. And two, liars. (laughs) Everybody loved this match. Oh, the booking. Oh, but Goldberg's old. He shouldn't be there. Uh, New talent. Fuck off. It's Goldberg versus Drew McIntyre. Star power. Star power. You can't make stars by putting together two guys that are not stars. 
And I understand that Drew McIntyre is a star, but him coming out here and shitting all over Goldberg just elevated him to another level that he was already on. He was already on a high level, but now he's on an astronomical, huge main event, forever main event level. Trying to push him into that that household name level. Not saying that he is yet, but he's getting there, and this helped. Drew McIntyre is the new star that you guys have been clamoring for, and their booking of Drew McIntyre has been phenomenal up to this point. It just has. I know you hate to hear it, you people that want to shill over anything WWE does, but the booking of Drew McIntyre has been phenomenal, and now we sit here in February of 2021, and he is a major star, and him beating Goldberg here only amplified that. Because everybody's, you know, I see it all over Twitter, all over Instagram when this match started. Oh, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Oh, oh, Drew, Drew better beat Goldberg. Please, for the love of God, Drew, beat Goldberg. That that emotion, that fear, that support you had for Drew, that excitement, that edge of the seat excitement you had watching this match, that I had watching this match, That is the exact emotion that wrestling should strive to elicit from its audience. Emotion. Yeah, you you could throw out two jabronis out there that are doing high spots and her and Karana's and, you know, chain wrestling, clap, clap, clap. This is awesome. All that shit. But at the end of the day, you're not going to remember it because there was no moments. This was a moment. Goldberg, whether you like him or not, is a legend in the business. He's still intimidating as hell. I said, that was what I said when I first saw him. I was like, man, my goal in life is to be just as jacked as 75-year-old Goldberg, or however old he is, you know? He still has it, not to the extent... Well, okay, let's calm down, calm down. Don't have an aneurysm. When I, when I say he still has it, he still has it to have this kind of match, which was great. Loved every minute of it. Because I was with you guys. I didn't want Goldberg to win. I was having flashbacks of him beating Fiend. I didn't want that again. But that's what you want in wrestling. You want a reason to care. You want to have stakes. Stakes. S-T-A-K-E-S. Stakes. This match had it. This match delivered on it. And now we have Drew McIntyre as your WWE champion still heading into WrestleMania with a ton of momentum. The match was exactly what it had to be. It was short. It was to the point. And if you, honestly, if you expected anything else, I might label you as a moron. So, <laughs> yeah, great shit from Drew. Great shit from Goldberg. Goldberg gives him the... Uh, little handshake deal at the end says he passed the test. Um, I don't even know how I really went over the match, right? It was, you know, spear, 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 jackhammer, jackhammer, claymore. You know, you know what you get from Goldberg matches nowadays. That's all it had to be. That's all it had to be. But after that, we get something a little different. We got the SmackDown women's title on the line. Sasha Banks versus Carmella. So this, this feud, right? Uh, shit. Where do I even begin? So we got two heels facing each other. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? I can't stand Sasha Banks, dude. I can't stand her. Can't stand her at all. The way she walks, the way she talks. Look, man, I'm not going to hate on her for having a speech impediment. That's nothing, that's not something that she can control right but she can control the way she acts she can control the way she laughs that horrendous forced laugh she does you know what i'm talking about it's a heel laugh it's a chicken shit heel laugh and she's supposed to be structured as the baby face in this feud are you kidding me with this shit trying too hard to walk all seductive She's focused more on posing for the camera than she is and with the content of what she's doing. Oh, man. I just It's exhausting to watch her. And Carmella's kind of the same, but guess what? She's a heel. 
You're supposed to hate her. She's supposed to be insufferable. Sasha Banks is not, but she is. And I get it. She's going for the, oh, I'm a strong woman. I'm strong, confident. You can't tell me nothing. I am, you know, I'm the boss ass bitch. And then she goes off and rattles her 12 nicknames to try to get, and none of them are over. God, like, go, Sasha. Look, you know, spoiler alert. Bianca Belair wins the Royal Rumble later in this show, and I can only assume we're getting Bianca versus Sasha at WrestleMania. So maybe Sasha will begin to kind of transition into more of that heel role, which is more natural for her and where she thrives, in my opinion, because her stuff in the ring is great. Look, this match between her and Carmella was really good. Not as good as their previous matches, in my opinion, but it's still a damn good women's match. Sasha has always been great in the ring. Carmella is improving with every match. But man, like, and the, but to speak more about Carmella. So when she first debuted, right, it was like, okay, she's literally, she has the same gimmick. She's just dressed differently. She has different music. She has a different catchphrase, a, a zany catchphrase to put on a t-shirt. I get it. But she's still, she's acting exactly the same. She's talking exactly the same. Her style in the ring is exactly the same. It's like, can you commit to this new gimmick, please? But now they've added Reginald, which, by the way, Reginald is outshining all of these, both of these girls. So it's like, just give me Reginald as the champion, please. Just let me watch Reginald go out there and flip for a little bit. I, Whatever. But... <laughs> You know, I sound like I'm shitting on these these two, but it was a, a decent match. Uh, Sasha ends up winning. And uh, yeah, like I said, maybe we'll see her and Bianca at WrestleMania. So who's the finish to this match even? I see. I didn't even take notes on this show. I wasn't even sure if I was going to come here and do uh, a review of it. Um, but I don't know. I just felt I felt spicy today. So let's get up here and spew my nonsense into this microphone um what was the finish to that match i don't even remember i think sasha just put her in the bank statement and she tapped out real quick right i remember it kind of coming out of nowhere and kind of being a little bit of a flat finish but like i said the match itself was pretty good so can't fault them for that but after this we have the women's royal rumble match fun fun shit here man bit predictable i think we all knew it was going to come down to bianca and rhea ripley and that's ultimately the final two um but you know what i have a list right here let's see how this goes if it doesn't go well i'll stop doing it i have a list of the uh participants in the order that they came in so i'll just rattle them off real quick and give my two cents on each so we start out with bailey and naomi Great way to start the match. Love seeing Bailey. Love what Bailey's doing. Love to see her as much as possible. So throwing her out there, number one, A-OK by me. I do love how she had a Michael Cole <laughs> or Cole cut into the back of her hair. And then Michael Cole wasn't even commentating the match. So bummer. But <laughs> but then we have a uh, returning Naomi, who returned at the last Rumble too, which is funny. But, um, yeah, Naomi's back. She's been gone for uh, several months, I think, right? I don't even remember when we saw her last. But Naomi and Bailey started out. Then we have Bianca Belair, number three, which is who I predicted to win, as I'm sure many of you did as well. Nobody is hotter, momentum-wise, right now as Bianca Belair. So she comes out number three and has an Iron Woman-like performance here. Billy Kay is number four, who was the highlight of this match for me. <laughs> Doesn't even get in the ring right away. Is on commentary, and then she's handing her resume to the people that come out after her. So we have Shotzi Blackheart. She comes out, and uh, Billy Kay goes to give her a resume, and Shotzi Blackheart shoots a flying dildo at her face. Um, that's a joke I stole from Matt Ritter from the Smackin' It Raw podcast, by the way. Shotzi is none too pleased, so she shoots a dildo at her head, and uh, Billy Kay goes back to the drawing board. Shayna Baszler comes out um, and punches 
Billy Kay's resume. Weird little deal there. Uh, Tony Storm comes out and uh, she just kind of puts her glasses down like she does at her resume and kind of gets back in the ring. By the way, man, Tony Storm. <laughs> I'm sure she hates it, right? I'm sure she hates it. But here's the thing. So she comes out, right? And she's from NXT, and I'm watching this show with the softest part of the ring. She doesn't really watch a lot of NXT with me, but she knows some of the names, right? But she's never really seen Tony Storm. So Tony Storm comes out. I say nothing, right? She comes out, you know, I laugh at, you know, Billy Kay and whatnot. Tony Storm gets in the ring and she starts, you know, fighting everybody. First words out of the softest part of the ring are, that's a fat ass. <laughs> Like, I said nothing, right? I didn't, I didn't even bring it up. But it just goes to show, it's like, man, like, at what point is it just, like, too distracting? And there's no way to say it without coming off like a misogynist. And that's not, because I understand that guys wear skimpy outfits, too. You know what I'm saying? You know, Tony Nese comes out, and I can't stop looking at his delicious abs. Titus O'Neil comes out, and I'm looking at that juicy booty, right? So it, happened. it applies for guys, too. But we're talking about Tony Storm here, and it's like, man, like, it's so, like... She, she knows it's there. She's wearing tight-ass clothing to accentuate it. All of her offense it revolves around, like, hip attacks and all that shit. So it's like, you can't really pay attention to her wrestling because you're just looking... I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> but speaking of delicious, Boogeyman sure thought she was delicious many years ago. Jillian Hall <laughs> returns. This popped me big. You know you want that. Or whatever. Whatever her song says. Jillian Hall returns at number eight. Uh, and she is the one that eventually joins Billy Kay to team up to go fight in the Rumble because she is just as ditzy as her. So they get in there. They're, they start jostling. Uh, Ruby Riot comes in after that. Then we have uh, Victoria. Returning Victoria. Maybe it was the last time we saw her in WWE. Has to be like shit. At least ten years, right? Maybe closer to fifteen. Um, she looked great. Good to see her do all of her uh, greatest hits moves. Um, always good to just see these old like trailblazers come. No, old trailblazers. Look at me. These uh, former wrestlers come in and uh, get some of the uh, the spotlight on because uh, they're kind of the people that established a women's division. That was able to cultivate a women's Royal Rumble in the first place. So good to see that. Peyton Royce comes in after that. Funny little deal with uh, <laughs> reuniting with Billy Kay because Billy Kay was teaming with Jillian Hall. And Billy Kay went to do the iconic pose, but then halfway through she sees Jillian and she's like, oh, nope, I don't know. She, she's doing it over there. I don't know. I don't even like her. Um, <laughs> uh, then we have Santana Garrett at number 12, who was my. Uh, so I was in a I was in a Royal Rumble pool, right? And then the guy that that started this pool is probably listening to this episode. So to you, I say, go fuck yourself for giving me Santana Garrett. <laughs> oh man, she was pretty impressive in the match, but it was like, come on, you're not winning this match. Um, we have Liv Morgan getting in there i think she had like a britney spears inspired outfit am i right on that it's either that or christina aguilera it was one of those two uh then we have uh, rhea ripley coming in with a house of fire and uh charlotte flair is next who is uh dominating so we have rhea and charlotte who end up being in the final three coming in right after each other dana brooke comes out does her dana brooke thing she took a nar- her elimination. Holy fuck. That was probably the most brutal elimination of the night. When she just got straight up powerbombed by Rhea Ripley. Like, they're both on the apron. And Rhea Ripley just fucking decimates Dana Brooke on the apron. It's like, and I'm sure, hey, Rhea is probably not going to get any shit online for that. I don't even think I've seen anything yet about that. Because she's not Nia Jax. You know what I mean? But that looked absolutely brutal, right on her spine. But then we have uh, Tori Wilson's next, looking even more beautiful than she did back in twenty, you know, two thousand one, which is incredible. Lacey Evans is next, and she and her, her and Charlotte fight on the outside, and a little weird deal with Ric Flair and all that shit. 
don't even really bother to understand what's going on there. Uh, Mickey James is after that at number 19. Nikki Cross, number 20. Alicia Fox, Alicia Fox, number 21. Always, <laughs> I, I don't know. She's like one of my, uh, my guilty pleasures, Alicia Fox. She's just out of her mind. Mandy Rose looking jacked at number 22. And we have Dakota Kai at number 23, who got eliminated pretty much immediately. Uh, number 24 is Carmella, who, you know, she had all night to kind of recoup, but now she's just starting to drink water and check her makeup as she comes out to the ring. That's fun. Uh, number 25 is Tamina. So her and Natalia had a, a match on backstage to determine who would be number 30. And ultimately didn't really matter because she came out super late anyways. So we have Lana, number 26, looking very stoic. Um, I think this is the first time we've seen her since she got injured by Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. So she gets in there. Alexa Bliss is number 27. Like uh, Fire Firefly Funhouse, Alexa Bliss. Which, by the way, Alexa Bliss is like the highlight of Monday Night Raw right now. So love seeing her get a spotlight. Ember Moon, number 28 from NXT. Uh, weird to see her back on the main roster after, you know, pretty much shitting all over it when she came back to NXT. Nia Jax, number 29. And then, of course, Natalia at number 30. And, man, when, I, when it was announced that Natalia was number 30, my initial thought was like, okay, she's going to get attacked backstage and we're going to get a major return. Maybe a Ronda Rousey. Maybe a, uh, I don't know, Trish Stratus or Alita or somebody. You know what I mean? Um, it wasn't going to be Becky Lynch, okay? I saw a lot of people are like, oh, is Becky going to return? Is she going to? Dude, she she had a baby two months ago. Are you fucking kidding me? This This woman is two months postpartum and you think she's going to come in here and take bumps? Or you think she's going to go in there and just win the Rumble and build to WrestleMania when she's still recovering both physically and emotionally from giving birth? When she's with her newborn baby, you think she's going to dump her to the side two months in and just go back to a full-time schedule? Are you fucking kidding me with this shit? <laughs> Anyways, Natalia comes out in number three. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, so we have everybody in there. Um, really only, only notable thing that I noticed was that Rhea Ripley eliminated Alexa Bliss. And this was a part of the match where Alexa Bliss was kind of transforming into her uh, fiend-ish self, if that's, the, if that's the term. If that's the term we're going with. Um, but as she's transforming, Rhea Ripley comes in and is like, what the hell are you doing? And just tosses her out. Thumps her out like a sack of taters. And uh, I mention that because that will likely, because you got to believe Rhea Ripley's coming to the main roster, right? So maybe this is a kind of a built-in feud heading to WrestleMania. Rhea Ripley versus Alexa Bliss. Could be reading too much into it, but that kind of seems like something they're setting up with that, which could be good. It could be good, but yes. Ultimately, Fun match, a little predictable. Final two are Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair ends up tossing out Rhea Ripley, wins the Women's Royal Rumble. Amazing, amazing moment. Um, Like I said, Bianca has so much momentum, so talented, so much star power, just organic star power. Like, she's believable, She's natural. She's organic. Whereas you have someone like Sasha who is completely manufactured. Bianca Belair is just a natural total package. And she, for all intents and purposes, should be a huge star in the future for many years to come. So happy for Bianca. Amazing moment for her. Amazing moment for the WWE. And yeah, at least we didn't get Charlotte winning again. (laughs) So we can all go home happy for that. What do we have after that? We have the universal title is on the line. We have the champion, Roman Reigns, the head of the table, versus Kevin Owens. Who? And what was the, what was the little buzzword they were using? The irrepressible Kevin Owens. 
God, that that shit drives me insane. The indomitable Drew McIntyre, and they have to say the exact same word every time. <sighs> Fucking commentary, man. I can't. I can't do it anymore. Universal titles on the line. Last man standing match. What a fucking fun match this was, dude. Um, I will say, I don't know if the fucking sirens are in the background here or not, but hopefully they're not after me. I surrender. I surrender. <laughs> Just some fun. That's fucking loud as shit. Cocksucker. These people not know I'm doing a podcast. Why don't you turn your sirens off? You know, you know me. You know who lives here. Anyways, um, <laughs> last man standing match, really fun match. I will say, um, these kind of matches that like you're fighting all over the ring, all over the arena backstage, I will always tune out <laughs> for those type of matches, man. I don't know. It just doesn't hold my attention and it kind of gives me the feeling of like, okay, I can just wait 15 minutes and then we can get to the part where. You cocksucker. You can just wait 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then you can start watching because only then will the match have a chance that it can end. Um, But crazy. So let's talk about this fucking golf cart for a second, right? So there's a spot in the match where Kevin Owens is walking backstage. Like they're, they're fighting like on the stage area. Kevin Owens kind of retreats a little bit to kind of get his bearings backstage. He's walking around. Roman Reigns comes in on the most quiet golf cart of all time and just obliterates, <laughs> obliterates Kevin Owens with this golf cart. Kevin goes through the windshield, looked beautiful. So you got these assholes on Twitter saying that they did this purely to copy AEW in that spot, the stadium stampede match, right? That's what it was when they used a golf cart in that match. Now, can you say that maybe that was in the mind of whoever came up with the spot? Sure. But people are asking, people are on, on Twitter, are speaking as if they're like in the creative office or wherever they are, wherever they are putting together this match. And everyone's like, okay, what is AEW doing? What, has AE, what, what did AEW do in the past year? What are some fun spots they did eight months ago? Oh, wait, yeah, there was a golf cart spot in that match, right? That was pretty good. Let's figure out a way to incorporate that in this match. That's what people think happened. When in reality, now I wasn't there, but anybody with common sense can kind of figure out that they're figuring out what to do with this match. They're probably walking around backstage. Somebody sees a golf cart and they're like, hmm, maybe I can run you over with that golf cart. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. That's probably the, that's the extent of it. They aren't riding the coattails of AEW. They saw a golf cart and they're like, hey, let's incorporate that in our match. That'd be pretty funny. And yes, golf carts, by the way, have been used in wrestling for decades. WrestleMania 17, everybody. Raven, Kane, and Big Show. Golf cart. Rikishi ran over Stone Cold with a car, which was the same thing with a regular car. People running over wrestlers is a timed, honored tradition. Okay. They aren't stealing from AEW. Sit down, put your penis back in your pocket, and shut the fuck up, all right? So we have that spot happens, which is incredible. Um, But then later on, they start fighting, and uh, there's a forklift. Sans Judy Bagwell, a forklift. Kevin Owens beats on Roman Reigns, puts him on a table that's, oh, conveniently set next to the forklift. Roman, Roman Reigns is lying on the table. Kevin Owens raises the forklift, climbs on top of the uh, the pallet, whatever you call it, the uh, the handle of it. I don't know. Climbs on top of it, very high, probably twenty feet in the air. And I'm thinking, okay, he's gonna do like a splash or something. Nope, just does a full on swanton off the top through Roman Reigns, lands it perfectly. Looked beautiful, looked brutal, looked brutally brutal. And <laughs> sorry, I just had a stroke there. Looked brutally beautiful. And uh, yeah, they, then they fight after that to the uh, stage area on the ground. Uh, Roman Reigns ends up getting handcuffed to the truss ringside. 
so he can't get to his feet because he's handcuffed like to the bottom of the truss. But then Roman Reigns gives Kevin Owens a low blow. And then Paul Heyman comes out with a key. But man, Paul Heyman apparently didn't go to key school in his youth because he could not figure out how to unlock Roman Reigns from this handcuff to save his life. So the ref literally had to stop counting to give them time to uh, unhook the handcuff, which is pretty funny. But um, after like a minute, at least, of fiddling with the handcuffs, Roman finally gets free and immediately just locks in the guillotine, puts Kevin Owens to sleep, and Bob's your uncle, that's the finish. (laughs) Very out of nowhere, and when I first saw it, I was like, man, that's kind of lame. When you think about it, you just choke somebody out, they're asleep, so how are they going to get up, you know what I mean? So it was a realistic finish. And I mean, not every last man standing match has to finish with fucking John Cena getting choke slammed through a, a big ass spotlight or somebody getting set on fire or somebody getting butt fucked in the middle of the ring into submission. It doesn't always have to end like that, right? It can end up with somebody just getting choked out, unconscious and unable to continue. And it further puts over the guillotine for Roman Reigns. So I liked it after thinking about it some more. I liked the finish. And the match overall, although it kind of dragged a little bit, like I said, all the backstage, you know, fighting in the crowd kind of stuff kind of takes me out of it a little bit. I think it was fun overall. So so after that, we have the main event, the men's Royal Rumble. And a controversial thing that happened was that the number one and number two entrants were announced beforehand. I kind of, you know, I, I see both arguments because there's some people that hate that. There's some people that are fine with that. I don't think anybody loves it per se. Here's my thing, right? So this is a thing that's happened before. You know, it happened um, when Stone Cold in 1999. Stone Cold was announced as the first entrant. But this that was all tied in to authority. That all tied into a storyline with the authority. Vince McMahon was able to place Steve Austin in number one to put him at a disadvantage. It all furthered a storyline. And I forget what exactly happened. I don't know if like Linda McMahon returned or whatever. But ultimately, Vince McMahon was put in the number two spot. So 1999, number one and number two were announced before the match. But that all played into an ongoing storyline. That was going on. That made sense because of the authority figures at hand, right? Same thing with Benoit in, what was it, 2004? When Paul Heyman was the SmackDown GM and him and Benoit were having at it. And Paul Heyman put Benoit in number one, once again, to put him at a disadvantage. You saw it again when, uh, was it 2016 or 2017, where Triple H won? It was the one where Roman Reigns was defending his title in the Royal Rumble. Triple H put Roman Reigns at number one. So it's a common thing we've seen before. But this is the first time where it's literally just been kind of an evergreen like, oh, here's two wrestlers that are number one and number two. And yes, Edge and Randy Orton obviously have a ongoing rivalry. You know, in kayfabe, Randy Orton was pretty much the one that took Edge out. So it makes sense. And in, in, in a way, I can see what they were doing by advertising this because not only do you get the rumble, but you get Edge versus Orton. Get it. I get it. However, can you imagine the reaction? Well, I guess there's no reaction from the crowd. But as a viewer, would it not have been a cooler experience to go into that rumble not knowing who's number one or number two? You're watching it. You see Edge is number one. Crazy. Or if even if, if Edge didn't announce that he was coming in the Rumble on Raw. Imagine if you would, would have seen him enter number one, not knowing he was going to be in it. Now, understandably, they did this last year with Edge. Edge made his big return last year. So I understand, you know, diminishing returns. You don't want to dilute what he did last time. I get it, right? But... You still could have had that reaction. You still could have had that moment of Edge coming out number one, not knowing he was number one or not knowing he was in the match at all. And then Randy Orton coming out number two is like, wait, Randy Orton, but but Edge is in there. Oh my God, we have Edge versus Randy Orton. Like that that moment of realization, I think is almost worth 
whatever you think you're going to lose by not advertising it. Does that make sense? So in my opinion, I didn't really like it, even though they've done it in the past. It made more sense when they have done it in the past than it did this year. And it just seemed like a way to kind of like pull people into the rumble. And I don't know if that was worth. I don't know what they gained by doing that, honestly. And maybe there's not a way to measure it, but that's just my take on it. But yeah, once again, I have a uh, list here of uh, the entrants. Let's just rattle them off. So we got Edge and Orton starting it off. Um, I love how Edge kind of just meets Randy Orton in the aisle way because that's one of those subtleties that I've seen in the Attitude Era series that I've been doing is that there's emotion there, right? It's not just two guys that are in a match. There's emotion. Randy and Edge are two guys that want to kill each other. So Edge isn't going to wait for Randy Orton to get into the ring just because that's the the formality of it. He's going to go kill Randy Orton in the aisle way. Love that. We have Sami Zayn coming out at number three, which is hilarious because he's so out of place in this. Um, Mustafa Ali, number four. Really kind of wanted him to have a bigger presence in this match, personally. Um, personally, I would just love him to break off from Retribution because that is just dead in the water. And Ali has so much potential as a singles, especially as a heel. Um, but maybe we'll see more of that in the build to WrestleMania. Maybe we'll see him in a more prominent position, but I will not hold my breath. We have uh, Jeff Hardy, number five. Cool to see him and Edge in the same ring. Again, uh, Dolph Ziggler, number six. Uh, looking like a shirtless female with his straight ponytail and a slender body. And then number seven, speaking of bodies, we have Shinsuke Nakamura, number seven. Got rid of the jumpsuit. Fuck yes. Evil Knievel ass motherfucker. No more. Shinsuke is further transitioning back to where he was uh, when he first debuted. So love to see that, even though it's just kind of a superficial detail. Love to see that. Speaking of love, Carlito, Caribbean huge. Stole that from Zack Ryder on Twitter. That wasn't me. But man, my man's looking jizzacked. You're, you're looking real jacked, baby. You're looking jacked, baby. Anyway, know that reference. Carlito comes out number eight, returning after a long time, looking crazy in shape, and just looks healthy like in his face. Like I hope he sticks around, man, because he looks motivated. He looks great physically, and he could add a lot to the roster for sure. Cool to see him have a stare down with Shinsuke Nakamura, too. Just really two really loud, colorful characters having at it. Um, speaking of loud, we have Xavier Woods, number nine. Uh, shout out to the New Day, by the way, for their uh, gear that had a Brody Lee inspirations on it. I think uh, he had its like face. Brody Lee's face was on like their trunks or whatever. Really cool shout out by those guys. Um, Big E's number 10. The, uh, the guy that I thought was going to win. Well, he was putting my number two, but we'll get to that later. Um, John Morrison, number 11. Ricochet, number 12. So we got some Lucha Underground uh, involvement here with uh, Johnny Mundo and uh, Prince Puma. Elias, number 13. Man, man, Elias has fucking fallen, hasn't he? I feel like he has no hate to him. He just kind of went in there and was unceremoniously eliminated. Um... Damian Priest comes out at number 14, who arguably might have had the best performance of this match. I mean, he comes here straight out of NXT, eliminates a bunch of people, has a lot of cool stare downs with people, a lot of moments, gets a lot of offense in, and lasts a good amount of time, I think. Um, so it's good to see Damian Priest in there. I hope he's uh, main roster bound because he has so much star potential, and I think either Raw or SmackDown could use him. Miz at number 15, man, speaking of falling off, man, get him and Morrison away from each other, for the love of God. Um, Miz is just, Miz used to be a legit, like, threat, right? But him and Morrison are just, like, goofy frat bros now. That was cool maybe in 2006, but in 2021, it's just cringe. They're both in their 40s. They both have fucking, you know, families and shit. Like, come on, enough of that. Uh, Matt Riddle, number 16. Glad he got his uh, flip-flop entrance in. <laughs> uh, Daniel Bryan, number 17, another favorite for this match uh, as far as winners goes. And then his uh, team hell-no partner, Kane, number 18. 
got a little, a little reunion there from for uh, Daniel Bryan and Kane. A little hug it out action. I think Kane actually eliminated a few people, didn't he? Um, Mayor Kane with his chest hair and man, <laughs> he has mayor body. I'll put it that way. But you know, can't hate him. Can't hate him unless you unless you do. Baron Corbin, number nineteen. Crickets. Otis, number twenty. <laughs> Man, Otis was kind of looking good out there, man. He was throwing, he was suplexing people. He looked like a, uh, like a bloated Taz in there. Um, <laughs> makes me think maybe he has more potential than just the goofy blue collar working man character. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Dominic Mysterio, number twenty one. I think that's his first Rumble, right? Uh, Handsome Squidward. I mean, uh, Bobby Lashley, number twenty two. And then we have the Hurricane. Number 23, I am a a huge Shane Helms, Hurricane Helms mark. Always have been, and I'm watching in my Attitude series, I'm watching like the birth of the Hurricane, and this dude was so so unbelievably over. It's ridiculous, dude. So talented in the ring, too, from a technical standpoint, but the Hurricane character was a lot better than probably you remember. Uh, I'll put it that way. So cool to see him have some shine here. But then we have probably my favorite moment of the entire show. Number 24. It's it's Christian. <laughs> Christian returns. My God. Did not expect that at all. I thought maybe he was done, but I hope this isn't just a one-time thing. I mean, me personally, I was a huge uh, fan of the Edge and Christian podcast. I listened to every episode, and it was phenomenal. Um, obviously, they don't do it anymore because they're doing this, among other things. So um, awesome to see Christian back. And Christian, I, I say that because Christian always said that he would only return if he felt that he could go at the level that he was. So I, I'm assuming if he's going to do this, that maybe it's a, it's a long-term thing. Um, but who knows? But that's what I, I would love to see. Has a little moment with Edge. They hug in the ring, which is awesome. They even get some double team offense on Matt Riddle. Awesome, awesome shit. Edge and Christian. I mean, if you've heard me in the past on my podcast, you'll know that tag team wrestling in the Attitude Era is really what established me as a wrestling fan. And a big part of that was Edge and Christian and their uh, antagonist position against the Hardys who I was a mark for. So big parts of my childhood and good to see them both looking really good, both pretty fucking lean and chiseled <laughs> for their ages. So awesome. Uh, AJ Styles is number 25 with Omos. Am I pronouncing that right? Omos. They like, they like change it every week, man. And Omos, I'm, I'm going to say Omos, Omos. I'm going to say Omos. Almost just fucking eliminates more people than most people in this match did, right? Because he took out uh, Big E just from the floor, just grabbed Big E in the ring and just flung him inside, outside of the ring, eliminated him as my heater goes off. Perfect timing. And then um, eliminates somebody else, right? Does he eliminate Daniel Bryan or somebody? He eliminates a few people. Uh, more people than AJ did, I think. Um, but then Rey Mysterio, number 26. Sheamus, number 27. Cesaro, number 28. So we have the bar in there. Cool little moment between those guys. The Messiah returns at number 29. Still seems like he's a heel, I guess. Still seems like he's the same character. I thought maybe we'll get like a repackaged version of Seth Rollins when he returned. Um, I guess the jury's still out on that. Maybe we'll see when he appears on uh, SmackDown. And then Braun at Strowman at number uh, 30. So not a ton of surprise entrance in this match other than Christian and uh, Carlito. I'm looking through the list, making sure I didn't miss any. And Hurricane, obviously. What a fun Royal Rumble match. I, like I said, the, the crowd is such a huge part of the Rumble. And all the great moments that did happen... In this 2021 Rumble, I think only would have been amplified by a thousand if there was a crowd there, you know what I'm saying? But still a really fun watch. And ultimately, it comes down to, uh, well, I should should mention, during the beginning and the kerfuffle in the beginning with Edge and Randy Orton, 
Edge basically takes out Randy Orton by hitting him in the knee with a chair. So they take Randy Orton to the back and they're checking on him. And immediately everybody watching is like, okay, so Randy Orton's going to come back at the end of the match. And then we'll see what happens there. I think everybody thought maybe the Fiend would get involved in some way, but he ended up not uh, being a factor. Um, So people thought Goldberg was going (laughs) to enter. Um, I personally thought Brock Lesnar was going to come back and win it because I could see a a Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns feud being money in the future, but I guess they could always do that later without the Rumble. But uh, so yeah, Randy Orton gets taken out. And then so we have in the ring, we have Edge and Seth Rollins. Edge eliminates Seth Rollins from the match. He thinks he won, but that, that goddamn Viper comes out of nowhere, gives Edge an RKO, picks him up. It's about to toss him out, but Edge counters it and throws Randy Orton out. And I was like, holy shit. That was an awesome moment. I love that finish because I really, for a couple seconds, thought Randy Orton was going to win. And I didn't really care for it. <laughs> we're going to see him and Drew again. So Edge eliminates Randy Orton and wins his second Royal Rumble. Amazing, amazing moment. He comes back in 2020 has arguably the moment of the year and then starts off 2021 by winning the Royal Rumble. Love it. I'm already seeing a lot of people, a lot of pushback on this claiming that edge is like, well, they're going with these older guys. We need to build new stars. Guess what? You can't build new stars without old stars. You can't, or you can't build new stars without established stars. I should say just like Goldberg and drew likely what I see happening is edge challenging Roman reigns. Further, and if that happens, it's going to further solidify Roman Reigns as the head of the table, the top dog, you know, et cetera, et cetera. This is me assuming that Roman Reigns is going to beat Edge if that happens, which I'm, it's the only option I see happening. Um, But if Edge goes and just beats Roman Reigns, you know what? Fuck it. Edge is awesome. Give him a short run with the title, and then Roman Reigns will win it back. Either way, it's a fun ride. I mean, can you imagine the promos between Edge and and Roman Reigns. Can you imagine how awesome SmackDown is going to be for several months if we have Edge and Roman Reigns in a program together? How many ways they could take that? A dream match. We've never seen Edge versus Roman Reigns. Two generations, two eras facing each other. Edge is just as good as he's ever been. As a promo, he's by far better than he's ever been. In the ring, he's, he's, he's physically he looks great. You know, he's not going to be doing the TLC bullshit, but he's still very, from a storytelling aspect, he's as good as he's ever been. And then Roman Reigns, obviously, is the best thing that WWE has right now. Or even if Edge challenges Drew, that'll be equally as good. That could be the shot in the arm that Raw needs. And just like Roman, Drew is another, you know, it's a different generation, different era. Another dream match of sorts both for the fans and probably for Edge and Drew McIntyre as well. So really either way they go with it, I think it'll be awesome. Um, would I have loved to see Big E or uh, Shinsuke or Cesaro or Daniel Bryan? Even though all those guys, by the way, all those guys I listed are all like, they're not young. <laughs> None of those guys are young. Um, would I like to see one of those guys get built with this Royal Rumble win? Sure. But Edge winning was a great moment in its own right. And the Royal Rumble, by the way, isn't the only path to WrestleMania, folks. So let's see how this plays out. I loved it. And uh, that brings the Royal Rumble to a close. Royal Rumble 2021. In my opinion, the best pandemic show that they've put on so far. Definitely WWE, the best show that they've put on. And uh, ultimately, from top to bottom, was a great show. I think people that had to win won. And now we have Fastlane next. Is that next? But uh, and then obviously WrestleMania, which hopefully will have fans. Man, I cannot wait. <laughs> Even if it's a 25% capacity fucking dome or stadium or whatever it is, right? It's going to be awesome. And I can't wait. We're on the road to WrestleMania, folks, and let's get hyped. Twiddle your nipples and slap your mother. It's going to be amazing. So that, I think, is all I got. For you guys, figured I'd come back up here. I haven't talked about the current product in a while. And the Royal Rumble, like I said, is my favorite show of the year. So it's always a good time to kind of recollect and uh, give my thoughts on where we are heading as far as 
modern day WWE goes. And if you are listening to this, um, I hope to get this out within an hour or so as I'm recording this on the Monday after the Royal Rumble. So whenever you're listening to this, be sure to subscribe. I have a uh, ECW November to Remember 1994 episode dropping on Wednesday uh, with Matt Ritter from the Smackin' It Raw podcast. A great, great episode coming your way, but I figured I'd just throw this episode out as a little bonus for you guys. And uh, I always love... I mean, I do this because I love talking about wrestling, and Royal Rumble gave me a lot to talk about, so... Normally, you need to be on my third tier of my OnlyFans for this kind of content, but I'm giving it for free. You're welcome. (laughs) So thank you guys once again for listening to me. Uh, ApronBump.com to find all my social media and all of the platforms that you can watch or listen to my sultry, sultry voice. Follow me on YouTube if you want to watch a screen while you listen to me. (laughs) So... Uh, is that all I got? I don't know. You guys just want to hang out? I mean, I'm done with the show. We can just kind of hang out. How's your day been? Okay. I'm hard. Yeah. Talk around and disregard it. Should be what the ground show you a heart is. Should be what the ground show you a heart is.